What is up, everybody, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Yes, we are here, and we are live. Welcome back to the greatest show you've never listened to. I'm, of course, your host, Logan Blackman, and oh my god, I am freaking tired. So about 10 minutes ago, literally about 10 minutes ago, I just finished my preseason mock draft for the 2022 NFL Draft. It's the first official draft. So I did that way too early thing. That was kind of just bleh. I didn't do a lot of research into that. I just kind of posted one just for the sake of posting it. This one, every single pick, all 32 picks, not only have a pick, they have reasoning behind it as well. And the positional ranking of each player that was drafted at each spot. So like, just for example, you'd have where Spencer Rattler's drafted. We'll get to the draft in a little bit, but Spencer Rattler says... QB1A, Sam Howe, QB1B, okay? Stuff like that. Evan Neal, O-Tackle 1. Stuff like that, okay? You understand where I'm coming from with this? I just finished it. I have not typed anything like this in forever. Obviously, I've typed things. I post. I made a couple blog posts since the 2021 NFL Draft, but that one, 30-something pages. 30-something pages for an NFL draft preview that I should have gotten a lot better on because I second-guessed myself. And every single year I tell myself this. Logan, do not second-guess yourself. Go with what your gut tells you. And it'll work. And if I went with my gut, I would have gotten like 17 picks right out of this draft. 17. And instead I got 11. Which is still a very respectable number of picks to get right it is more than a lot of the people that are paid on television to talk about the NFL draft, but I could have done better, which pisses me off. And this one, I know it's not going to be anywhere close to being right, okay? Because like we've talked about before, in the 2019, right before the 2019-20 college football season, nobody, and I, I say nobody, not even his own dad, had Joe Burrow going first overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. Nobody. Everybody, including myself, had Justin Herbert going number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. That was it. That was the pick. I said it in my preview for last season, that Justin Herbert, two seasons ago, that Justin Herbert was going to be playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. And he is not. He's playing for the Los Angeles Chargers, and both teams are very happy in the quarterbacks they got. Now, one team is going to be better than the other team this year. Now, that's just how things work. And that team unless something goes horrifically wrong, is going to be the LA Chargers. They're going to be the better team out of the pair because they've just got a better overall roster. I like some of the players the Bengals got a lot. Like, the Bengals got a better running back, arguably. I would say Joe Mixon is a better running back than Austin Eckler. It is very close. Actually, no. No, no, no. Austin Eckler's better because I like Austin Eckler's ability in the past game. I changed my opinion. I changed my opinion. But I do like the Bengals receiving core. I don't think they have a receiver as good as Keenan Allen. I think they have one potentially as good as Keenan Allen and Jamar Chase, but we haven't seen him play a single down in the NFL yet. So we don't really know. But as a core, the Bengals wide receiver core is better and one of the best young receiving cores in the entire NFL. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. That is a very strong receiving core. And a lot of people aren't happy that Jamar Chase is there because they should have gone Panay Sewell. And we'll rectify that. In this upcoming draft, we'll talk about that as we get a little bit closer to this. And I am tired. That's basically to sum up the entire intro of this show. I am tired. I'm tired. <laughs> but we'll get through it. We'll get all through the show. It'll be a little bit of a... Well, 
I would suspect it to be a little bit of a longer show. Okay? Because we're at th four minutes right now, almost exactly four minutes, and I could just tell. I'm already rambling. I just need to get right to the chase. And to start it off, we're not going to talk about the NFL. We're not going to talk about the draft. We're not going to talk about American football in general. And as I just said, American football, that should give you a, a hint what we are talking about. We are talking about soccer or football, whatever you want to call it. We are talking about the sport where they kick a ball every every day. Every Everything they do is kicking a ball. And it involves the greatest player of all time, Lionel Messi, who just left Barcelona. I have not talked about this yet because I was waiting for the move to actually materialize. We knew he was going to PSG. Like, ever since it was announced that he wasn't going back to Barcelona, like 10 minutes later, PSG rumors. Now, I had a sinking feeling in my gut since last year that he was going to Manchester City. And we talked about that on the show of him going to Manchester City. It obviously did not happen. He's going to PSG. And PSG, love him or hate him, which most people I would say hate them at this point, just because they have all the money in the world. They're in an e a league, compared to their budget they have, should be relatively easy. And now they just got the greatest player of all time. You look at their business that they did this summer, it might go down as the greatest summer transfer window of all time. Might go down as the greatest. Not one of the greatest. It already is one of the greatest. It might go down as the, the greatest <laughs> summer transfer window ever. If you look at the players they got for free, they didn't pay a single dime for these players. Now, wages, that's a different story. But they paid nothing to get these players. Sergio Ramos, one of the greatest players in Real Madrid history. Spain's all-time appearance leader. Has won the Champions League. Has won a World Cup. Will solidify the back for PSG with Marquinhos and Presnel Kimpembe in whatever formation they want to run. Sergio Ramos is one of the... No, he is the greatest center back of our lifetime. Not one of the... He is the greatest center back of our lifetime. And some people get a little bit testy about that kind of stuff, but if you look at accolades and what he's done in the world of soccer, it's not a competition, really. It's not. And now he's going to PSG. And then you also got, for free, for free, Jorginho Wijnaldum. From Liverpool, for free. Who was looking like he was going to go to Barcelona. And oh my god, I bet he is the happiest person on the planet. That he reversed his opinion on that and went to PSG. It was like last second. He was all set to join Barcelona. Memphis Depay was going to go there. Ronald Koeman was there, the former Dutch national team manager. It was looking like it was going to set up to be another Dutch team in Barcelona. You had Frankie de Jong there as well. And then last second, I'm going to PSG. This is a Champions League winner for Liverpool, who was the captain of the Netherlands. Now, obviously, Virgil van Dijk's not there, so he's not the captain if Virgil is there. But he's been to the Champions League final. He's won the Champions League final. He's played in big games for Liverpool. He started big games for Liverpool. He's played in big games for the national team for the Dutch as well. For free. And then you get Gianluigi Donnarumma, the goalkeeper. That was the most sought-after goalkeeper, or was going to be the most sought-after goalkeeper in Europe for free. He was just named 
Euro 2020 player of the tournament. He won two penalty shootouts, won the freaking tournament, and goes to PSG on a free. And then, now that's not in any order. I don't remember the exact order of how it went down. Sergio Ramos, Wijnaldum, and Donnarumma. I don't remember the exact order they came through. But today, Tuesday, August 10th, the greatest player of all time, undoubtedly, undoubtedly, you can hold on to your Ronaldo thing, but your argument of Messi is not the greatest because he hasn't tested himself in other countries is dead. And I'm, I'm, I haven't seen this, and I'm happy I haven't seen this, because I'm about to lose my mind if I hear this start and get talked about, of Messi's not the greatest because, oh, he went to PSG, the easiest league in the world, the biggest checkbook in France, when, we've talked about this before, I'm not going to go on a very long preachy rant about this again. At least I hope I don't. I don't know what happens when I'm going to talk about it. But Ronaldo's done the same thing just twice as many times. <laughs> Messi's done it once. Actually, no, three times. Because Ronaldo came to Manchester United, richest club in England, most historic club in England, left Manchester United, for not only the richest club in Spain, the richest club on planet Earth, the greatest club of all time. Real Madrid, who were the most dominant team in the world before Lionel Messi washed up on Barcelona's shores. <laughs> it, was, it was all Real Madrid. You look at the trophy cabinet of Real Madrid before and after Messi, it's ridiculous. Now they've won a lot of Champions Leagues. I'll give them credit for that. But they were winning every La Liga title. And then Messi got there. Copa del Rey, and then Messi got there. And then after he's done at Real Madrid... He goes to a team that I believe at the time had won seven straight Serie A titles. Seven straight. And then eight. he won eight when he was there. At least I, I think I got that correct. And the goal there is to win the Champions League. And it doesn't happen. And not only does it not happen, you finish in what? Fifth? Behind Atalanta? <laughs> and Inter Milan who has Alexis Sanchez and Ashley Young? Who won the damn thing? He went to three different countries with the biggest checkbooks, the most historic club in each country, in a relatively easy league comparatively. Each time got easier. Premier League, La Liga, Serie A. Now they all have different styles of playing, but Serie A is not what it used to be in the early 2000s. The 90s, the 80s, it's not that anymore. You didn't have rejects from England go over to be stars. Ashley Young <laughs> starts started for Inter Milan. Now he's back in Aston, Aston Villa. Matteo Darmian was a starter for Inter Milan. You had Edin Dzeko be a star for Roma. Alexis Sanchez sucked at Manchester United. He still got playing time at, at Inter Milan. And I'm not saying these players were world beaters, but these guys weren't even getting to their teams in the Premier League. And they're playing consistently for these Italian teams. And Ronaldo and Juventus come in fourth or fifth? What? <laughs> Biggest checkbooks in every single country. And I'm glad this hasn't been talked about. The Ronaldo thing has kind of died off since Messi has officially made the move. Two PSG was announced today. You saw him in uniform. It looks freaking weird. I don't like it. But it happened. There was reports that, well, he said it. Not really reports. Messi said it. That he 
offered to take 50% wage cut at Barcelona. But Barcelona is run by a bunch of toddlers, pretty much, that don't know how to handle money. So that was even, that was even not happening. <laughs> Barcelona went out and got players that they can't afford. They went out and sold Luis Suarez last summer because he was too old. That was the, the wording. Luis Suarez is too old. So you know what they did this summer? They brought in a striker that's the exact same age as Luis Suarez and Sergio Aguero. <laughs> the exact same age. Even though we just said he's too old. And now Sergio Aguero is out for an extended period of time with an injury. Now Memphis Depay, I hope he balls out. I really like Memphis Depay. He's one of my favorite players. Wished it worked out Manchester United. It didn't. Like Frankie de Jong a lot. Love Pedri. Marc-Andre Ter Stegen's finally going to, or at least I hope he's going to get a chance with the German national team soon. But man, no one at that club should wear the number 10 jersey again. No one. No one. There's a, you have these things where players are not bigger. The club is bigger than everything. And Barcelona is one of the most historically rich clubs in the world. But Messi's bigger than them. Which is ridiculous to think about, but it's true. You look at the success they've had with Messi versus before Messi, it's not even comparable. Messi's the greatest player of all time. There have been some great players that wore number 10 for Barcelona, namely Maradona, Ronaldinho wore number 10. None of them. I don't care if the Argentinian like people think Diego Maradona's best just because of some weird thing they have with Messi. I don't really understand that whole thing, but it's not close. He's been the greatest of all time for years now. Now he won a Copa America, and then he moves. The two things that said people said Messi needed to do in order to be the GOAT, he did in the same exact summer. He won an international trophy, and he moved. <laughs> now it's done. He hasn't even played a game for PSG, and it's done. It was done before. It was done after Copa America. It is nailed shut now. Done. PSG will win the Champions League. <laughs> This is the greatest attacking three on paper ever. You have a $200 million player in Neymar who is the third best player on his own attacking team. And he went to PSG to get out of Messi's shadow, and then he was the one, apparently, that got Messi to PSG. And now you have a team with winners. Ramos, Wijnaldum, Donnarumma, Messi, you have winners, something PSG did not have, and they brought in four of them. Not only did they not did they bring in those guys, Atraf Hakimi's coming in from Inter Milan as well. Great wing back for Inter Milan, formerly of Real Madrid. Marco Verratti is already there. We've talked about Marquinhos and Presnel Kimpembe. Angel Di Maria is still there. Danilo Pereira is a really nice midfielder. Ender Herrera is a very hard-working midfielder. He's not the greatest midfielder. He's a very hard-working player. Julian Draxler is a very talented player. Like, this team, and this attacking three overall, is insane. It's absolutely insane. They have accomplished it. And we are not anywhere close to the 2022 Champions League final, but everybody and their dog is saying this team's going to win the Champions League. I, I saw this right before I started the show. La, um, 
League, uh, the French League, they posted a thing on Twitter. It said the Farmers League has a new goat. That's one of the best tweets ever because the joke is PS- League Un is a farmer's league. It's very easy, run by PSG. Team like Lille should never have won the league last year. In reality, that's probably a crazier title win than Leicester winning it in the Premier League. In reality, it's ridiculous. <laughs> they had nowhere the budget of Leicester City. And they still won La Le- League Un. But now it's back to PSG. You brought in the GOAT. You have a front three, ideally, of Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi. And then we didn't even mention Mauro Icardi, who is an asshat, but a great player. And then if you really wanted to, you could run like a 4-2-3-1. Messi is a number 10 with Di Maria on the right? Dude. This is insane. Listen, the Champions League final between PSG and Manchester City is going to be insane. <laughs> if and when Manchester City get Harry Kane, good lord. And people are somewhat mad at Jack Grealish for going to Man City. Why? I'm a Manchester United fan. Why would you not go to Manchester City? Jack Grealish wants to win trophies. He didn't leave Aston Villa when they went down. He brought them back up and then gave them a what near top half finish. Saw in the best state they've been in in a while. And now we're mad at Jack Grealish for leaving? He could have left at the first chance and Aston Villa will be still rotting away in the championship. I don't blame Jack Grealish for going at all. I'm upset he didn't go to United, but hey, you know what? Big time transfer, big time pay increase, guaranteed trophies. Why not? The key in sports is getting trophies. If you can guarantee a player trophies that has not had a lot of trophies in his career, that's enticing. Sometimes the wages are obviously a big factor in that, but the trophies thing is huge based on how big of a competitor I think Jack Grealish is. Which he has all these issues off the field where he doesn't use his brain, but he doesn't let that distract him for on the field stuff. He's an insane player. And if Harry Kane goes, wrap it up. Until he's there, you're probably going to see a a 4-3-3 with a false 9. Probably Fernand Torres or Raheem Sterling. Grealish and Foden, Riyad Mahrez, Kevin De Bruyne, Ilkay Gundogan, Ruben Diaz, who's coming off a terrible tournament, but hey, reigning Premier League player of the season. Ederson, top three goalie in the world. Manchester United had themselves a great summer. Get Jaden Sancho and Rafael Varane, great summer. But, man, Manchester City, if they don't win the Premier League, I'll be absolutely shocked. I'll be absolutely shocked. I like a lot of the players Manchester United has. Their depth kind of worries me at times. I don't know if I'm really a huge fan of Daniel James being in and around the starting lineup as much as he's going to be until Marcus Rashford gets back from his injury. I don't know how much I like that. Edinson Gavani's out as well. I like Anthony Martial a lot, but do I trust him being the main number nine? Is Greenwood ready to be the main number nine? There's not a lot. There's not a really big midfield partner for Pogba. I love Scott McTominay, but can he last as that full-time number six? I don't know. There's a lot of questions that I don't have with Manchester City. Why I think they'll still win the league. And that matchup against PSG, like we talked about, 
is going to be crazy. <laughs> uh, and Messi's going to win his seventh Ballon d'Or. So there's that. I saw a post today on Instagram. It was the top three candidates for Ballon d'Or. It was Lewandowski at three, Messi at two, and then Jorginho at one. Champions League, Euro winner, fair enough. Led Chelsea in scoring, fair enough. You really think Messi getting his first international trophy is going... The Ballon d'Or is going to go to Jorginho after that? <laughs> I respect Jorginho. I think he was wildly overhated in his first season at Chelsea. I think people are just starting to realize how good of a player he is and how important he is and integral he is to teams. But he's not the Ballon d'Or winner, is he? I think there's a case, because we talked about this when the Euros were actually going on. We did talk about this. There's a case to be made, but come on. We're talking about the best player in the world. You're telling me Jorginho is a better player than Lionel Messi. Nah. <laughs> All of his goals were penalties. Before he came to Chelsea, I think at Napoli, he had like three career goals at Napoli. And he just led Chelsea in scoring all in penalties. And he missed a penalty in the final. I get they won, but that's the best penalty taker in the world. He missed a penalty. Can that dude win the Ballon d'Or? I don't know. I'm, I'm just excited to see what happens this year in the world of soccer. There's a lot of big moves that happened. Big time moves. Manchester United actually made good signings. Man City got Grealish. Messi went to PSG. Good Lord. Craziness. Absolute craziness is going on right now. And I'm here for it. If you weren't, if you weren't into soccer before, you have to be in now. La Liga's in trouble. Without Messi and Ronaldo... Who's the best player in the league? Even Sergio Ramos is now gone. Who's the best? Is Memphis Depay, Kareem Benzema, Luka Modric, are those the best players in La Liga? Is it? Is that it? That's not going to draw people. They got to deal with ESPN now. They don't have Messi there. That's not really ideal. That's what we call not ideal. But hey, congrats to PSG on getting him. Once it was announced that he was leaving, again, it was like 10 or so minutes after, Fabrizio Romano tweeted out that, it's, oh, here we go, it's going to Messi. Go Messi going to PSG. And then he was there today, and then official. Officially official, Messi is a PSG player, and I am here for it. I'm absolutely here for it. <laughs> Let's go. I don't really, I could care less about PSG. They've never done anything to me in my life. I'm not a fan of the French League, like, actual fan. I'll watch it, but I'm not, like, die-hard League unfan. Not a huge fan of any of the teams there. But I love Messi. So, I guess there's that. I love Memphis Depay, so I was a, kind of a Leon fan. I don't know if it's sacrilege to like PSG and Leon, <laughs> but it might be. I know Marseille and PSG is against the rules, and Marseille and Leon's against the rules. I don't know if Leon and PSG is. Liked Leo last year. Timothy Weah, United States International, won a league title. And then they all effed off because <laughs> they're like, oh, they can't afford us anymore because we just won the freaking league. Ah, oh, man, this year's going to be fun. College football, we're getting closer and closer. We got the Premier League start on freaking Saturday. What? League on, I think, has officially already started. <laughs> oh, my God. Things are coming up so fast. College football's the last Saturday in August. I mean, not with any... Buddy and Iowa would really care. 
Iowa and Iowa State and you and I don't play till the 4th of September. So you have to wait one more week, but college football is here. And I saw this on Instagram. It was CBS Sports HQ. It was the best college football team in each state. I don't know who this is according to, if it's on history, if it's on current things. I don't know. All I know is there's some things that are kind of weird with this list, starting off the great state of Iowa. I was born an Iowa Hawkeye fan. Was a Hawkeye fan my entire life. Iowa's not the best team in the state. I get the point that Iowa fans will make of Matt Campbell's never beaten Iowa, so that by that, Iowa State cannot be the best team in Iowa. I get that. I get that 100%. But I've yet to really meet an Iowa fan that said Iowa will beat, you and I, uh, beat Iowa State this year. I've not found them yet. <laughs> They're few and far between. But there's probably a few that think Iowa will beat Iowa State. I'm not one of them. I think every Iowa State fan thinks they'll beat Iowa, which is the right mindset to be in. I think it's in Ames. It's not looking good for Iowa in that game anyways. Then moving on, you got Michigan, Michigan State. They're not the best team in the state. They're one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. How are they the best team in Michigan? They might be even worse than Western Michigan. Like, how are they the best team in Michigan? Michigan's the best team in Michigan. And that's not saying anything spectacular. Michigan State's so ass, they're not even competitive in this. Michigan's not even that great. But they're still better. I'm excited to see, though, how Alan Bowman does this year with Michigan. Just transferred up there from Texas Tech. They got Tyler Show down there in Lubbock, so we'll see how that one goes. But yeah, that one's Michigan. I saw that one a lot in the comments. That was really weird. Other ones, there's not really a lot of other really weird ones. I'm trying to look at all the the country to see which ones were. I need to remember where Liberty is because that might change where I view <laughs> view this. Yeah, okay. Virginia. Liberty is the best team in Virginia. Virginia Tech is not better than Liberty. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> Liberty is the best team in Virginia. Iowa State's the best team in Iowa. Michigan's the best team in Michigan. And uh, scrolling around a little bit more. I guess you can make an argument that Montana is better than Montana State. They had them in Montana State being the best team in Montana. But I think that might be it. Georgia's best team in Georgia. Clemson, South Carolina. North Carolina, North Carolina. Florida and Florida. Bama and Alabama. Ole Miss. Yeah, they're better than Mississippi State. LSU, Louisiana, Tulane. Is there any other real competition there? Arkansas, same thing. Oklahoma's better than Oklahoma State. Texas A&M is the best team in Texas. That team is stacked full of NFL prospects. Good freaking Lord, they are stacked with NFL prospects. Like, Isaiah Spiller, the running back. DeMarvin Leal, the edge rusher slash DN, or edge rusher slash D lineman. Jeez. Jalen Weidermeyer. I don't know why I'm completely blanking on these players because <laughs> now it's not looking like they have. They have a lot. The only issue is they're going to try and place Kellen Mond. I don't know how that's going to work out. Kenyon Green, forgot about him. That's They got four players that are either the top or near the top in their positional rankings for me in the 2022 NFL draft. They got a lot of talent. They're going to be very fun to watch. If you don't have an SEC team you like to watch, but you're trying to root for somebody that's not Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, Texas A&M 
is the team you should be watching this year. New quarterback, fun weapons, good players all around. Should be a very fun season for them. Jimbo Fisher's there still. Alabama's going to be fun to watch as always. Bryce Young's a freaking beast. I'm excited to see what he actually does. I've been talking about him for a little over a year now. We're ready to see Bryce Young play. We're ready to see Bryce Young play. Ever since he decommitted from USC and committed to Alabama, we have been talking about Bryce Young. We have been on the Bryce Young fan, the Bryce Young bandwagon ever since he came to Bama. <laughs> uh, everything else is pretty much fine. I'm, I don't think there's anything really you can argue about. Nevada's a very good team. I don't, UNLV's not competing with them. Utah, yeah, I guess. Arizona State, same thing. Yeah, Jaden Daniels, a fun quarterback. They got a couple good players that are going to be talked about in the NFL draft once that comes around. We'll talk about them. Not tonight, because they're not getting drafted in the first round. I, as far as right now goes, my opinion can change. It's August 10th, August 11th when this comes out. Your opinion could change completely. I would like to reference that. I would like to say that. I reference that a lot in the draft because my, I'm not afraid of being wrong. Never been afraid of being wrong. I'm, <coughs> I'm rarely wrong because I'm just a freaking genius. But I'll never be, I'm not afraid of being wrong. Because everybody's wrong. And I, it bothers me when you have people that still hang on to these things that are clearly wrong, but they're so worried about being called a lame-o and a loser and an idiot, they can't let go. And it makes them even look more like an idiot than what they originally thought they looked like. Yeah. Ugh. Now, I'm not going to be like Colin Coward, where... I don't. I just completely ignore the fact that I had a completely different opinion one time and change it later. Josh, Allen, he just put made a. He talked about Josh Allen today signing his contract. Completely different take on Josh Allen during the 2020 NFL season. Completely different opinion on him. Now he's talking about he loves Josh Allen, loves his contract. Never mentions that he didn't like Josh Allen before, even though everybody knows it. I like to say when I got it wrong and tell you what I said when I said it because I, I remember these kind of things. But yeah, those are the best teams in college football. According to Logan, and then before we get into the draft, I saw this today. I don't know how legit this is. Undercover, undercovered NFL on Instagram. I mean, it got 8,200 likes, almost 8,300 likes. It said multiple sources close to the 49ers have informed me. I mean, I, I don't know who this guy is. So I don't know how close these sources are to the 49ers. Me, that Trey Lance is inching closer and closer to starting week one for the 49ers. He's, improved, he's impressing everyone in camp, winning over teammates and winning over the coaching staff. He's progressing much faster than anyone expected. The days of Jimmy Garoppolo at QB1 are numbered, folks. And that's one opinion that I'm starting to change a little bit. Of Trey Lance starting a lot sooner than what I originally thought. I thought it'd be the end of the season thing. But Trey Lance got too much talent. <laughs> I've heard the argument, it was right before the draft. It was, you can't, there was someone, I don't, I don't remember who said this. It was, don't bench Trey Lance, because that means he'll be, he won't play football in two years. Because obviously North Dakota State didn't play football in 2020, during that normal season. They played in 2021, the spring of 2021. Trey Lance opted out, so he didn't play. So this would be two years of him not playing. Is that the best thing for him? Who knows? Rodgers sat out for a long time. Josh Allen, I mean, not Josh, Phillip Rivers sat out for a long time. Some player, it works out for some players, but if Trey Lance is balling out, play Trey Lance. He's better than every facet that Jimmy Garoppolo. 
in every facet, he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. So I hope that he goes sooner than one more thing. One final thing. I know I said one more thing, but I looked at my camera roll and saw this. It was on freezing cold takes. Sam sure looks like the savior and stellar start to career in green. The Jet Sia. Sam Darnold. <laughs> and then at the very bottom, of, this is the front page. The front page of the Daily News. Sam Darnold plays like a seasoned QB from the get-go. Finishing 13 of 18 for 96 yards and a touchdown as the Jets kicked off a new era with a 17-0 preseason win. The Jets' Sia. That was August 11th, 2018. Three years ago to when this show was coming out, that thing came out. How things have changed. That point, no one was crowning Josh Allen as the second coming of Jesus Christ. No one was saying Josh Allen would be the second highest paid quarterback in NFL history. Everybody said Sam Darnold was going to be an absolute beast. And how the rules have reversed. Sam Darnold's traded to Carolina. Josh Allen's staying in Buffalo. Bills made it to the AFC Championship game while the Jets have the second overall pick. And almost, thank you, football gods, for allowing the Jets to beat <laughs> some teams randomly so they didn't get Trevor Lawrence. Thank you for letting them fall. Now, Zach Wilson could be a baller. Could be a baller, but... Who knows? I mean, I shouldn't say thank you for not getting Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence could suck ass and Zach Wilson would be a freaking baller. And I'd look like an idiot. More than I already do. But man, oh man, speaking of the draft. Cue Michael Buffer sounds. Well, I, I guess not cue it. I'm just going to say, let's get ready to rumble. Not really the same enthusiasm or it's time! Bruce Buffer for the UFC, UFC fans out there. We, we cater to a wide range of audiences here. We're talking about boxing. We're talking about UFC. Michael Buffer versus Bruce Buffer. Stepbrothers or half-brothers, however it works. There are a lot of cool stories about Bruce Buffer talking about Michael Buffer. You should go look those up if you haven't already. But, yes, 2022 preseason NFL mock draft. Oh, and then one more thing while we're talking about Josh, Sam Darnold. Last season, Josh Allen became the first player with at least 4,500 passing yards, 35 passing touchdowns, 5 touch rushing touchdowns, and a single-season NFL history, and wasn't given the MVP. Screw the league, and screw Aaron Rodgers, okay? I jokingly say not my MVP to my friends about Aaron Rodgers. He ain't my MVP. He ain't not my MVP. We just said Josh, and we've talked about before, Josh Allen have one of the greatest season in NFL history, unequivocally one of the greatest seasons in NFL history, and got screwed out of the MVP somehow, some way. And if you look at all the metrics, Josh Allen is more valuable to the Bills than Aaron Rodgers is to the Packers. I said what I said. Let's get into the 2022 NFL Mock Draft preseason edition. I'm well aware, like I said at the beginning, I'm well aware probably none of this will be right. Now, I'm confident in a couple of them just because you know, they're quarterbacks, or they're just too good to slide extremely far. So starting off with the number one overall pick, the Houston Texans take Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. The Sean Watson thing is very weird. I don't know what's going on with that thing. He's not starting in their preseason game, and I mean, it's hard to say not rightfully so, because <laughs> you don't know what's going on off the field. Don't know if he's going to be arrested, if he's going to get traded. You don't know what's going to happen with the Sean Watson. Tyrod Taylor... Lovely guy. Lovely quarterback. Davis Mills, sure is a lovely guy. Not the future of the franchise. 
Spencer Rattler is more talented than both Davis Mills and Tyra Taylor put together. I mean that in the least disrespectful way possible. Because I'm not trying to say they're terrible quarterbacks. Spencer Rattler just got that much talent. Now, a lot of people out there, and mainly in the state of Iowa, do not like Spencer Rattler. Spencer. Spencer Rattler. Obviously, the Iowa State-Oklahoma thing. Now, they're actually rivals, which is very weird to say. Never thought I'd say that 10 years ago, Iowa State and Oklahoma being rivals. But Spencer Rattler is a very cringeworthy player. I'm not going to lie. But though he's cringy, and though he lacked some consistency towards the early parts of last season, you saw in those lack of consistency moments, and later in the year, the talent that he does possess. That dude's got a cannon arm. He can make every throw on the field, contort his body in any way possible. Spencer Rattler, and I agree with this statement. I didn't know if I agreed with it back then. I do now. Spencer Rattler is the most talented quarterback Lincoln Riley's ever worked with. Again, that's not saying he's the best. He's just the most talented. And he will be the third number one overall pick that Lincoln Riley's coached, which is freaking ridiculous. I don't know how that's happened. And if you're a young quarterback, why you wouldn't go to Oklahoma, no idea. You have two Heisman Trophy winners. He turned Jalen Hurts into a draftable quarterback. And then now he's going to have another number one overall pick and a possible Heisman Trophy winner in Spencer Rattler. It's Quinn Ewers, though. Coming from Texas, going to Ohio State. That dude looks good. <laughs> that dude. Yeah, we've talked about him a little bit before. He might be the number one overall pick in a few years. But we're not talking about that. Rattler will go number one overall. I'm very confident in saying that. Unless he gets hurt or has a massive drop-off in play, he will go number one overall. Whether it's to the Texans or not, I'm... Okay, now I'm saying... The more I say, the least confident, more or less confident I'm getting. Because I really like Sam Howell. There's some quarterbacks that I think could sneak up there because there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this draft class. Not the same, like, no Trevor Lawrence's, no Justin Fields in this class, but... There are a lot of really good quarterbacks from smaller schools that don't get a lot of national attention that will be making headlines in this draft. And number two, Detroit Lions take one of the other quarterbacks, Sam Howell, quarterback 1B, in my opinion. They're very splitting hairs between Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler. Sam Howell is a lot more consistent, but I think with these two, why Howell will go number two and Rattler goes number one is because of the ceilings. Howell's ceiling is not as high as Rattler's. Howell is a better quarterback right now than Spencer Rattler, but Spencer Rattler has got a lot more talent than Sam Howell. So it's really however you want to look at it. Sam Howell looks, is built, and plays like Baker Mayfield. Spencer Rattler is a smaller version of Patrick Mahomes. That's not saying he is Patrick Mahomes, okay? It's not saying he is. Saying he's got the same talent level as Patrick Mahomes. Or could get to the same level of talent as Patrick Mahomes. He has that in him. Baker Mayfield, fine quarterback. Good quarterback. Number one overall pick. Second in rookie of the year voting. Went to the AFC Divisional round. Lost the Chiefs. Sam Howell is a good quarterback. I really, really like Sam Howell. But right now, I don't think he has a high enough ceiling to get drafted first overall. That's just how I'm viewing it now. It could change. Because if he absolutely destroys all of Joe Burrow's records this year, he'll definitely be the number one overall pick. My opinion will change completely. <laughs> Similarly to when I said Joe... Like, I know... At this point in 2019, I wasn't saying Joe Burrow would be in this point. They were talking about Joe Burrow being a sixth-round draft pick. If that. And then he wound up being the number one overall pick. Would have been rookie of the year if he was healthy. 
and Heisman Trophy, one of the greatest seasons in college football history. So, yeah. But Howell's number two. Three to the Bengals. I would like to note this. This is not my draft order. I should have said this at the start. This is not my draft order. I use NFL Mock Draft Database to make my mock drafts. They have a bunch of players on a list that you could use and just click them and move them over. It works beautifully, so you don't need to, like, rummage through the filing cabinets in the back of your head to go, oh, I forgot this player. Crap. Look like a freaking idiot. I would recommend if you like doing mock drafts or just want to start doing them just for fun, because they are very fun to do, even if you're completely wrong, use mockdraftdatabase.com. I've linked it on the article that I'm going to post when the show comes out, so make sure you go and look at that as well. But number three, the Bengals. I'm not saying it's inaccurate either. The place is where these, te- these teams are picking. But third overall, Bengals, Evan Neal from Alabama. Bengals, a lot of people are mad that you guys didn't draft Panay Sewell. Now you rectify that and get the most athletic tackle in this draft. He, according to Bruce Feldman from The Athletic, is the biggest freak in regards to athlete- athletics in this draft. Six foot seven, 360 pounds. The reason I said six foot seven is because I was going to say six six. Looked down and saw six seven, six seven three sixty, monster. You watch the split box jump that he did, dude's an absolute beast. He is clearly the best O tackle in this draft. It's not really close, and he's played both guard and tackle at Alabama. This dude's a baller, and the Bengals will be very smart to take him at number three if they do pick at number three. Obviously, if they pick later, it probably won't be him. Number four. The Jets, and they have a habit of doing this from time to time, but Kayvon Thibodeau, the best player in the draft, falls to the Jets yet again. And I use some examples in this. You've got Leonard Williams in 2015, drafted sixth by the Jets, and then 28 or 2017, Jamal Adams going to the Jets at, you guessed it, number six. Now you get it again with Kayvon Thibodeau, the best overall player in this draft class. Explosive mother trucker. Good Lord. 6'5", 250. If this dude, just imagine, close your eyes for a second, unless you're driving, don't close your eyes. But picture with me an uber athlete that's 6'5", 250, with 10 or, 20, 10 or 15 more pounds on him, he'll be unstoppable in the NFL if he puts on that weight and he continues the same level of trajectory that we think he's going on. This dude is ridiculous. The speed, the power, the raw, the pure athleticism is insane. Like, he's too fast and quick for tackles. And then you put him as an outside linebacker. Good Lord. How do you stop this guy? And then I don't... Who's, it was an unnamed scout. I always like when these unnamed scouts come forward. Unnamed scout says, Thibodeau was built out of a lab. Zero weaknesses, power, bend, and speed. Three things scouts and coach really look for. Power, bend, speed. Very important for an edge rusher. Thibodeau has that in bunches. And if the Jets somehow manage to get him at four, that'd be an absolute steal. Because he's the best player in this draft, and the next two players in this draft are not far behind him. Jacksonville at number five, Kyle Hamilton. Safety. Jaguars, this one could be a little topsy-turvy. If they trade C.J. Henderson, this will switch. Then I'll flip uh, Kyle Hamilton and Derek Stingley. But for right now, Kyle Hamilton or C.J. Henderson is still on the roster. He hasn't been traded yet. Again, that's subject to change. Hamilton's a freak as well. Like, defensively, this draft is filled with a bunch of athletic freaks that don't make any sense. That's a common theme, not just defensively, but everywhere in this freaking draft. 
freak. That's how you can just describe it. 6'4", 219. Monster. Bigger than Jeremiah Wosu-Koromoa. Linebacker that just got drafted by the Cleveland Browns, who was one of my favorite players in last year's draft, or this past year's draft. Free safety, but has the ability to play up on the line of scrimmage, can play as a center fielder, knows where the ball is at all times. Dude. <laughs> Anything. Anything you ask him to do. Any position you want him to play, he will play it. The Jaguars, who are trying to rebuild that defense, and they've done a decent job at it, getting Josh Allen, Kalevon Chison, C.J. Henderson. They've got some decent players there. They just drafted, um, not Eric Stokes, Tyson Campbell from Georgia. Eric Stokes went to, obviously, the Green Bay Packers. Tyson Campbell's coming in there as well. They're building a nice little defense there, starting to ramp, get the little things from Saxonville that we're seeing again. Kyle Hamilton's a beast. And if he goes to Jacksonville, now, if and possibly when C.J. Henderson gets traded, then we'll go Derek Stingley there. But for right now, it's Kyle Hamilton. Derek Stingley doesn't go very far after that. Number six to the Philadelphia Eagles. Beast. <laughs> he has been the best corner in the country since he was a freshman. And not even just the best corner in the country. Undoubtedly the best corner in the country. I saw this stat today. Stingley, in the past two seasons, has played five, 451 press coverage snaps. 451. He battled injuries last year. Played, like, what, seven games? And <laughs> he's fourth in the nation in that. If he wasn't hurt, he would be number one. Easily. This dude is absolutely insane. When they won the Natty, single Stingley registered six interceptions, 15 passes defended. Stingley only allowed 163 yards last season when he was hurt and had a quote-unquote down season. But it's like Aaron Rodgers said, my down years are some people's career years. That's what Derek Stingley is. That's the level of corner this dude is. And he's the number two player in this draft. I think it goes Tibbs, Stingley, Hamilton. That's what I would rank this draft class right now. If I did the top five, Tibbs, Stingley, Hamilton, Neil Rattler. That's probably how I'm ranking my top five. We'll do a top 50 list. Try to get that out on Friday. We'll see if that happens. I'm going to also do Premier League predictions on Friday as well, so stay tuned for that. But Stingley, Eagles, they need help defensively. Get another corner for Darius Slay. Partner those two up. Lockdown City in Philly. Great corners. That's what they, I know a lot of people might say get a quarterback here. They don't know if they like Jalen Hurts or not. They haven't even named a starter yet. But they have bigger needs on their roster than Jalen Hurts, who I think is a fine quarterback and should be given this year free of... Uh, dude can play. Prove that at Oklahoma, he's a competitive person. He gets his chance this year in Philly. I think he'll ball out. That's my hope, that he'll ball out, because he's a very talented dude. Not the greatest, like, pure quarterback, but as the direction we're going in the NFL, you don't need to best be the best pure quarterback to be a good quarterback. If you have the tools, they can coach that in you. Hopefully Nick Sirianni can get the best out of him and J Devontae Smith can come back from his injury that he just got. Number seven, the Falcons, Malik Willis. They need to figure out post-Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's not old at the term of the quarterback's turn. I think he's like 36, 37 years old, something like that. But they need to start questioning what's going on after him. I think he's got a year left on his contract after this year. I could be completely wrong about that, but Malik Willis has 
I was going to say arguably. Malik Willis has the best, best skill set out of any quarterback in this draft class. I was going to say arguably. It's not. It's fact. Malik Willis has the strongest arm. He's the most athletic. The only problem is inconsistent accuracy and plays for Liberty. Now, the Liberty thing, I don't think is as big of a factor anymore as we just saw Zach Wilson get drafted second, Trey Lance get drafted third overall. Josh Allen came from a small school. Jordan Love came from a small school. Like We've had all these quarterbacks coming from these smaller schools get drafted high. I don't think that's as big of an issue anymore. I think it's coming to the full circle of if you can play, they'll find you. And they see talent, they'll draft talent. Malik Willis going back home to Atlanta would be a match made in heaven. Him and Martha Smith would be a great tandem together. Matt Ryan would be there. Malik Willis would learn from him, hone his skills under Matt Ryan, and then eventually take the starting job from him in a year or two. That's the goal, anyways. Malik Willis is an absolute baller. If you haven't, or if you never watched anything Malik Willis, I would recommend you watch a lot of Liberty football this year because I'm assuming they're going to be on TV a lot because of this guy. Very much recommend watching Malik Willis. Number eight, DeMarvin Leal for the Raiders. Raiders are going to need some help defensively. They're not great defensively. I tried to pick up pick a scenario where the Raiders overdrafted somebody because that's what, just what they do. You look at the history of the, the Las Vegas Raiders and Oakland Raiders since Mike Mack and John Gruden had been there. Cleveland Furl, fourth overall, Damon Arnett, and then last year, Alex Leatherwood. They have a very distinct history of overdrafting people. I don't think DeMarvin Leal's an overdraft whatsoever. Dude is an edge rusher. He's a D-line. He's a little bit bigger, so he'll make the transition to a three-tech in the NFL. He plays D-end at Texas A&M. He'll move to three-tech in the NFL. He's about, what, 6'5", 290. So he's a little bit bigger on the edge rusher side, but that'll work out perfectly as a three-tech. Perfectly. And for those of you who don't understand what that is, it's the smaller D-tackle, basically. You have a big, meaty guy in the middle that lines up over the center. Three-techs usually hang over the guard. That's usually how it works out. And Leo will do that great. He's in an own stratosphere in regards to the interior D lineman. If he does, in fact, move into inside of the defense, which is what everybody seems to expect from him. Great from the pass. Great against the run. Athletic freak. Raiders should take him. He fits all the box for the Raiders except for the fact he's not overdrafted. Number nine, the Giants. Drake Jackson, the edge rusher from USC. Giants are just going to keep building their roster. They've got some nice pieces there. they got Kenny Galladay. Saquon Barkley's back and healthy. Daniel Jones has potential. Will he realize it? I don't know. Everybody knows if you listen to the show long enough, I'm not the biggest Daniel Jones fan. I think everybody should understand that. <laughs> I don't think he's atrocious. I just, I'm concerned about him in regards to the starting position of the future of the New York Giants. There is a real chance. They have two first-round draft picks this year. We'll talk about the other one later that they could use it on a quarterback. And the quarterback I think they'd use it on, based on Gettleman's draft strategy, is Keaton Slovis. That's the quarterback. If the Giants draft a quarterback, I think it'll be Keaton Slovis. Matt Corral is a shot. There's a shout there. I think Matt Corral has an uber-high ceiling, but he just has too many lapses to where it goes, oh my god, you're so frustrating. That's kind of the issue I have with Matt Corral. But back to Drake Jackson. Coming off a 3-4, the USC, I believe, if I remember right, plays a 4-3 defense. And sit, at, while at USC, he's racked up 66 total tackles, seven and a half sacks, three passes defended. And now most of those sacks did come in his true freshman season, 5.5. But the Pac-12 had a really weird year last year. USC had a very weird year last year. So, but potential is there. 
The Giants playing in a 3-4 defense, he would be a real threat coming off the edge for their defense. I would love to see him with the G-men. Panthers at number 10, Christian Harris. Draft a linebacker to replace Luke Keekley, pretty much. Best linebacker in this draft, stereotypical Alabama linebacker. Six foot, about 230, makes plays all over the freaking field. I mean, what more do you need to hear about him? You know, if I just said stereotypical Alabama running back or linebacker, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is him. <laughs> and he would be a great fit for the Carolina Panthers. Number 11, the New York Giants taking Kenyon Green, the interior off the lineman from Texas A&M, one of the players we talked about earlier. So he already had two Texas A&M players drafted. If I'm not mistaken, this is the first repeat we have had so far in this draft. So get, uh, no, it's not. I'm stupid. We talked about Evan Neal and we talked about Christian Harris. So it's the second pair that we've talked about, I guess. Two SEC schools. Are we surprised? Not really. But Kenny Green, the reason... So if you saw my player rankings for the offensive side of the ball, I had Tyler Lindebaum as the number one prospect for the interior offensive lineman and he'll come later it's not like he's out of the first round completely but he's he's still number one in the rankings the thing is why i have kenny green going before tyler lindebaum is two things one tyler lindebaum's a center there's centers usually don't get drafted that high usually don't the last center i can remember get drafted decently high was garrett bradbury at 17 i think ryan kelly from alabama who's on the colts got drafted decently high but not top 10, not near the top 10. I can't think of off the top of my head any center that's been drafted in the top 10. Now, I could be wrong. I'm open to being wrong. I don't, I just can't think of one. Kenyon Green also, number two, why I think he'll get drafted before him, positional versatility. Can play either guard or tackle. He's expected to make the transition to left tackle at Texas A&M this year. For the Giants, who have somewhat of an issue at tackle and guard, there's your answer. <laughs> Kenyon Green. Freak. Athletic. I mean, I could just say that for everybody. Athlete. That's the big word you could use for him. I also think he's more athletic than Tyler Linderbaum. But, hey, if Tyler Linderbaum goes for, before Kenyon Green, I'm not going to be surprised because Tyler Linderbaum is the better of the two prospects in regards to positional rankings. But one's a center, one's a guard slash tackle. Which one do you really think is going to get drafted first? Put your biases aside, because I know I'm probably talking to a lot of Iowa people. Put your biases aside. Which one gets drafted first? Without names, guard tackle, or the center? I mean, that goes without saying, really. But yeah, Kenyon Green going to the Giants 11. 12, Kair Elam. Cornerback to the Arizona Cardinals at number 12. Just because Derek Stingley's an uber-dominant corner doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about the rest of the corners in this draft. This cornerback class... Has some very nice pieces. Very good corners are in this draft class. We've already talked about two of them. We'll get to two more later in this draft. But there's some good ones that we're not going to mention in the draft. We'll talk about once the end of the draft comes. Because I got players that just missed out on getting drafted. Not the position, or not the draft position, or where they rank in regards to getting drafted. Just where they were on the positional start. So quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, interior lineman, ta or tackle, interior lineman, D lineman, edge rusher, linebacker, corner safety. That ranking. Kyron Elam, 6'2", 193. Great size for the cornerback position. Since he's been at Florida, he's forced incompletion of over 20% of his 77 career targets and allowed just a 42.9% completion percentage. 
193, great size for the cornerback position, has really good length, very good athleticism. He would easily replace Patrick Peterson down in the desert. They brought in two corners, to be fair. Darkwest Denard and Malcolm Butler. Do we really think either one of those two are locking down the cornerback position for this season? Could be wrong, but Malcolm Butler's coming off one of the worst secondaries in the NFL from last year, the Tennessee Titans. Darkwest Denard has played 16 games once in his career, and that was in 2017. In the last two seasons, he's only played 17 games. So I'm not really holding out a lot of optimism for those two in regards to locking down the cornerback position. If Kyrie Elam, if he's available in the Cardinals pick, Cardinals pick decently high, take him. Take him at whatever pick you have. 13, I think this is, it might be one of the more controversial picks, I guess. It is Desmond Ritter, the quarterback from Cincinnati, going to the Washington football team. Now, Ritter is an intriguing prospect by every sense of the word because of the fact he's got all the measurables you look for in a quarterback. He's got the size, 6'4", about 215. He's insanely athletic. At any, most times, he's one of the fastest people on the football field. He's got a cannon for an arm. The only issue is his accuracy numbers are all over the freaking place. He went from six, 66% down to 55 and then up to 62. If we're going on patterns here, I'm not expecting a great completion percentage, but obviously that's a joke. I'm expecting him to keep up that number. He reminds me a lot of Trey Lance and the fact that he's super raw, very athletic, strong arm, coming from a smaller school, built pretty much the same. Ron Rivera found the most success with a mobile quarterback in Cam Newton. You look at the quarterbacks they have on the roster, Taylor Heineke and Ryan Fitzpatrick, mobile-er quarterbacks, can make plays outside of the pocket as well. They're not freaking statues. Desmond Ritter is not that. Desmond Ritter is working with Jordan Palmer, the same quarterback coach that worked with Josh Allen and turned him a lot, should take a lot of credit for the quarterback that Josh Allen's in, is right now. Desmond Ritter is working with him. Desmond Ritter is uber-talented, and I had him ranked number four on my quarterbacks list. I flopped him, moved him up a spot, and we'll talk about the other two people in a little bit that I moved around with him. But yeah, he's got a very high ceiling. I hope he can realize it this year. I hope he can find some more consistency in regards to completion police center numbers because that dude can play if he's consistent enough. 14, the Pittsburgh Steelers taking Carson Strong, quarterback for Nevada, this dude, ironically enough, has a strong arm. You wouldn't have guessed that, would you? I mean, it'd be kind of sad if he didn't have a strong arm. His last name was Strong. Or at least Strong in something. But this dude, this dude's a good quarterback. <laughs> He's a really good quarterback. I had Keen Slovis going to the Pittsburgh Steelers in my first draft that I did. That didn't really mean anything. It was kind of just random smorgasbord of players getting drafted by teams that didn't take a lot of time and effort to do. Really, you can just look at it and see that. Carson Strong makes more sense to me since I've done a lot, like a thousand times more research than Keaton Slovis in Pittsburgh. If you look at Slovis, who I really like, compared to the other quarterbacks that I've mentioned, so we've got Rattler, Howell, Willis, Redman, Redman, Ritter, and Strong. The only thing Slovis is better than that is accuracy, which is a great thing to be good at. But will that get him drafted higher than these guys? At this point in time, I don't think so, especially with the inconsistencies he had passing the ball last year at USC. 
I expected to change a little bit. Like we said with Drake Jackson, USC's had a, had a very weird season last year. But comparing him to all the other quarterbacks, he doesn't do anything spectacular. Like Rattler can make every throw on the field. Howell's got a cannon for an arm. And is a pretty swagged out dude. Willie Willis is the fastest quarterback in this draft with the strongest arm. Desmond Ritter is a great athlete. Carson Strong has a hose for an arm. Keen Slovis is not very big. He's not very athletic. Under Not like immobile. JT Daniels is immobile. Keen Slovis is not that. But he's not the fastest. He's the slowest probably out of these five. And Strong will be very close. He's just accurate. Which is not a bad trait to have. I think Slovis... This, it's a little unfair to Slovis, but I'm going to give away something real quick. I don't have him in the draft. I don't have him in the draft. Even though, I would like to say, he has every shot to be drafted in the first round. Every shot. These quarterbacks, this is one of my bold predictions that there'll be more, there'll be less Power 5 conference quarterbacks drafted in the first round than non-Power 5 conference quarterbacks. We have three non-Power 5. Malik Willis from Liberty, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, Carson Strong from Nevada. And then obviously the two Power 5 guys. Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, Sam Howell from North Carolina. But man, I felt bad leaving Slovis out. But again, if Daniel Jones sucks, then Slovis goes to the Giants. And it's a pretty simple transition here. If, if Slovis is getting drafted, to me, he's going to the Giants. That's just what, how I feel right now. But right now, he's not there. Strong goes to the Steelers, replaces Big Ben. I would like to see Dwayne Haskins do well. D- not really holding out a lot of hope, but Carson Strong has all the potential there. He would be a great fit in Pittsburgh. Strong arm, big-bodied quarterback, can make every throw on the field very accurate. That's what you like to see. And Strong going to Pittsburgh, I think, would be a great marriage for all parties. He fits that Pittsburgh Steeler quarterback mold. You look at the two greatest quarterbacks in Steelers history, Big Ben and Terry Bradshaw, bigger quarterback, stronger arms. That's what Carson Strong is. <laughs> I, the Strong thing's really funny. He's got a last name Strong. He's got a Strong. Oh, that's so funny. Number 15, the Minnesota Vikings take George Klarftis. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. I apologize if I'm saying his name. Klarftis? Klarftis? He's from Greece. I don't know. I'm sorry about that. But going to the Vikings. Klarftis or Klarftis is a very, very weird prospect because of the fact the two seasons he's played college football are complete polar opposites of each other. Now, you couldn't get more polar opposite if you freaking tried. Now, it's not based on anything really performance-wise. It's all due to an injury, and he got COVID, so that kind of screwed everything up. He played three games last year, or four. He played three or four. Which one was it? I got it written down. It's just three games. He got four tackles and two sacks in three games. So, I mean, completely different. He had the most... most Insane freshman seasons ever. Dude played 843 snaps. I'm not surprised at all that he got hurt the following season. 843 snaps as a freshman. That is ridiculous. He registered more pressures his freshman season, 55, than Kayvon Thibodeau, who's the number one overall player in this draft, who got drafted 11 spots before him. He racked up 7.5 sacks, 54 tackles, and one forced fumble and two fumble recoveries. This dude was a beast. He's about 6'4", 6'5", 270-something pounds. Hopefully, for his sake, he comes back to that freshman season, not the sophomore season where he battled injuries and COVID. Don't get into that. If he is back to that, 
he might be back in that top 10. Because when he was a freshman, this was talked about that he'd be a top 10 pick. Not anymore. But the potential is there. And it gets people excited. He has the ability to play outside and inside, which is also very desirable. You like positional versatility in the draft. At least I do. Vikings need some more help on defense. They got some nice pieces. They got Dalvin Tomlinson. They obviously got Patrick Peterson we talked about earlier. But they still got some more holes in the roster. Okay. Cam Dantzler, I like him. They just cut Jeff Gladney, unsurprisingly. Was it Michael Pierce? They still got him. Daniel Hunter, they still technically got him. The other edge rusher, I'm not a huge fan. Don't remember his name. Sorry about that. But even if Daniel Hunter's there, I don't know. He expressed wanting to get traded last year, earlier this year. So I think it'd be smart for the Vikings to add another D-lineman like Clarftis, who's got that positional versatility like he does in the size and power. He's arguably the most powerful or strongest D-lineman in this entire draft. Maybe not D-lineman, edge rusher, I'll give him that. D-lineman's close. We got a guy we'll talk about a little bit later who might be the strongest D-lineman in this draft. Uh, Number 16, the Broncos. Now this is obviously with the two quarterbacks they got now. Locke and Bridgewater. If they have Rodgers, if they had Watson, I don't think people are expecting them to pick 16th in the draft. Just something tells me about that. They've got very nice players. Very nice players. I don't like Vic Fangio as a coach, and I don't like their quarterback. So that's a little bit of an issue there. Two most important things on the football team are the two worst parts of their team. <laughs> so I'm not holding out. I'd like to hold out hope. Actually, no, I don't. Screw the Broncos. But I got them taking Jackson Kirkland. It's off the lineman from Washington. He has played both guard and tackle in his career, but he's more, way more natural at tackle. And some of the articles I was reading, he looked like a freaking squid out there at guard. Six foot seven, 310 pounds. Not the greatest athlete in the world, but last year at Washington, finally getting to play tackle. Zero sacks, zero pressures allowed. And what? Oh, two hurries, two, zero QB hits, and zero sacks. That's what you want. <laughs> That's exactly what you want. A guy that doesn't give up sacks. Now, that wasn't a lot of games because, again, the Pac-12 was very weird last year. So if we see that again this year, he's basically a lock to go number two out of the tackles. I mean, it'd be very hard to pass Evan Neal. You know how insane of a season he's going to have to pass Evan? He's going to win the freaking Heisman to pass Evan Neal for the best tackle in this draft. None of the tackles in this draft compare to Evan Neal. It's not really close. But Kirkland is that number two, and I think everybody after Neal is very close it's a very small margin between like second and seventh in this draft order for in regards to tackles number 17 oh and the broncos need to draft because they just cut Jawan james 17 the chargers zach harrison defensive end edge rusher from ohio state just athletic freak again <laughs> six foot six 272 pounds he is not at this point the bosa's in chase young he's not at that level he has the potential to be at that level because he has two of the words that scouts and coaches love. Two of them. Bend and get off. <laughs> Those are the two of his strongest traits. He has a lot of burst. Obviously, the get off thing. He's very fast off the line of scrimmage, very quick off the line of scrimmage. The size is very desirable. And the Chargers just let Melvin Ingram go or let him walk in free agency or whatever. He's now with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And now they're going with Joey Bosa with Jerry Tillery. Now, unless Jerry Tillery goes absolutely insane this year, I don't really think there's a chance they go another season with Jerry Tillery as their number two D end. I don't think there's a chance that happens. Zach Harrison has all the potential in the world. He goes to the Chargers at 17. If he has a great year this year, like a lot of people are expecting, 
this dude could be a lot higher than 17. In his last four games of the season last year, you saw him play his best. You saw Ohio State kind of get into a rhythm at that same point as well. And those are the four best games, four teams they played that were the best. Michigan, Northwestern, Clemson, and Alabama. That's the games you need to perform. And he did. So we'll see how he does this year production-wise for the entire season. was down from the season before, but potential is there. 18, flip back and forth with this one a thousand times. It's the Patriots taking Chris Olave from Ohio State, the wide receiver from Ohio State. If you went Garrett Wilson, do not care. Do not care. Because you know what? I'll tell you anyways. Garrett Wilson's going 19 to the Saints. These two receivers, both at Ohio State, are equal in my eyes in regards to the best receiver in this draft. If you notice in the player rankings that I did, neither one of them had an A or B next to them. It was just one and one. Garrett Wilson won. Chris Olave won. Now, they're two... I saw someone compare Chris Olave to that of Calvin Ridley, which is a very nice comparison. He could have come out last year, been a first-round draft pick, decided to come back, play with Garrett Wilson again. They're the top two receivers in this draft. They will go very similar to one another in the draft. Now, I don't think we're going to have a draft where we have, like, three receivers in the top ten. I don't think we're going to have that year. There's some good receivers in this draft, but not Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, and Jamar Chase. They're not at that level whatsoever. But they're good. They're three. These two are very, very good wide receivers. Uh, Olave has great separation. I saw a stat that he had separation or one step or more of separation on 87% of his targets. That is freaking ridiculous. He's not like insanely fast, but he has got some speed. He's a very long strider, which some people don't like because they could cut down on your cuts and stuff like that. And Wilson is a smooth operator. He's just a very smooth guy. Very smooth guy. Very nice hands. He works a lot from the slot. But yeah, these two are very equal. 18 to the Patriots, Olave. 19 to the Saints, Wilson. It's literally cutting... It's splitting hairs here. Like, we're not... There's nothing that really separates them. It's all personal opinion at this point, or personal preference. It's... Yeah. I don't care. If you have Wilson going to the Patriots, that is perfectly cool. I understand that. I would do it as well. I'm 50-50 on these guys. I don't know which one's better right now. Because if you you look at stats, they had almost the same exact stats last year at Ohio State. They each had like 700 yards receiving. Like, they are as close as you could possibly be. This is the year they got a freshman quarterback, C.J. Stroud. Who will be the favorite of the two? Who knows? Because Justin Fields is very good at spreading the ball between the two. Now you got a freshman coming. He's going to want to choose favorites. My gut tells me Wilson will be the number one guy by the time this draft comes around. Or I would, I would probably guess Wilson. Yeah, Wilson's the guy like in November. I think that's what we're going to see. That's my gut opinion right now. But it's, it's close. It's very, very close. Number 20, Eagles. Going from Ohio State to Michigan. We got Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive end from Michigan. The Eagles do this thing. I've noticed this in the past couple drafts, the past few drafts they've had. They go off of aging player, draft a young player. Build a position that the aging player's in with a young player. And it's not to have them start right away. You look at their draft history. They have Jason Kelsey. This year they drafted Landon Dickerson. They have Carson Wentz. They draft Jalen Hurts. You have Jason Peters. You draft Andre Dillard. You have Zach Ertz, you draft Dallas Goddard, you draft Chris, you have Chris Long, 
you draft Derek Barnett. Like, do I just need to keep going on and on about what's going on with the Philadelphia Eagles and their draft strategy? It's pretty self-explanatory, ain't it? Gee, I got a random thing pop up on my laptop. What is this? I don't know what they're trying to get me to type in. Do you have these random things that just pop up on your screen and you don't know what, what to do? Okay, it went away. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. It just went away. But Hutchinson will follow that suit of the Eagles. Or it might not be Hutchinson, but they'll do this again. Because it's just what they like to do. They see an aging player. They draft a guy to eventually replace him. Before, I had Tyler Lindebaum here. Completely forgot they drafted Landon Dickerson last year. Good thing I did that because I would have looked like a freaking idiot if I had Tyler Linderbaum him. Now the Eagles will draft Tyler Linderbaum. But yeah. Drafting Aiden Hutchinson, Bruce Feldman, remember we talked about him earlier when talking about Evan Neal, ranked Aiden Hutchinson as the number two athletic freak in college football. Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame, is ranked number three. This dude is compared athletically to Quiddy Pay, who was the best athlete in last year's draft, arguably. And then now they're getting drafted to the same position, according to you know, yours truly. Drafted by the Eagles, 20th pick. Drafted by the Colts last this past year with the 20th pick. And this one, the player is replacing Brandon Graham, another Michigan guy. But get a young guy in, not to take the spot of the starter, but to challenge him, learn from him a little bit, and then eventually, when he's ready, move on from the old guy, up comes the new guy. This is what they've always done. It's, they've always done like ever since Howie Roseman's been there that's what they do and we just went off a whole list Landon Dickerson Jalen Hurts Andre Dillard Dallas Goddard Derek Barnett like Jason Kelsey Carson Wentz Jason Peters Zach Ertz Chris Long all these guys directly replaced guys that were on the roster that left a year or so after they were drafted is that ironic no it's a trend and Aiden Hutchinson I think should or we I mean could be that guy. He's a freak. Just Again, he's an absolute freak as a D-lineman. Number 21, the Cowboys, Zion Nelson. The tackle from Miami. Now, Zion Nelson, probably the best athlete outside of, you know, Evan Neal. We're not... When I talk about the tackles, okay? When I say the best, we're just, let, just know I'm excluding Evan Neal. <laughs> because Evan Neal, like we said it before, is clear in regards to being the best tackle in this draft. Everybody else is compete for second. And that is like a six-way race for a second. So when I say the best athlete, I'm excluding Evan Neal because he's so far gone as the best tackle that I don't even need to talk about him. You should know I'm not saying he's better than Evan Neal. Got it? Got it. Good. So he's a great, uh, great, jeez, great athlete. The Cowboys, remember, all throughout the 2010s, Tyrone Smith, Travis Fredericks, Zach Martin. Tyrone Smith can't stay healthy to save his life. Zach Martin's coming off a calf strain, and Travis Frederick's retired. The Cowboys, the thing that was made that made them so awesome in the 90s was their offensive line. Everything was centered around their offensive line. Obviously, you had the triplets of Aikman, Emmett Smith, and Michael Irvin. You had some great players on defense, Deion Sanders, Charles Haley, and a few others, but their offensive line is one of the things they were known for, their big-ass offensive line. Jerry Jones knows this. I don't think Jerry Jones would go another draft and not really try to address the offensive line. I think they have to. I was very, very close to putting Tyler Lindebaum here. Very close. But I think Baidez, the center from Wisconsin, who's been there, he started there last year. He's going to need another year. 
Smith can't stay healthy. That's just a fact at this point. You got to get someone to learn from Tyrone Smith, one of the best, the best tackle in the 2010s. Learn from him, and eventually replace him. And if not, draft Linderbaum. You got to go after alignment. I get this defense thing. Their defense is ass, but you can get a safety in the second round. Kyle Hamilton, unless you're an insane safety like Kyle Hamilton or or uh, Jamal Adams you're not going to get drafted really, realistically, in the first round. Every safety. We had some very good safeties in this last year's draft. All of them went second round. All of them. So I think the Cowboys need to go after that off the line. You just saw your quarterback snap his leg. I know he wasn't in the backfield when he snapped it, but, man, you might want to make sure he doesn't do that again. And especially with Zeke, as well, struggling in the run game, that's another example of why you could probably go Linderbaum there best run blocker out of the interior lineman in this draft, and just best run blocker in the draft. That makes sense. But getting a franchise left tackle to replace the great Tyrone Smith is one of the things the Cowboys should really start to focus on because they haven't done that. They need to start focusing on that. But if not, Linderbaum's right there. Number 22, the Jets take Ahmad Gardner, the corner from Cincinnati. This dude... I love it. This dude's name on Cincinnati's official website, Cincinnati Bearcats' official website, is Ahmad Sauce Gardner. The dude's nickname is Sauce. It's not just nickname. It's basically his real name. It's on the official website. Now, I don't know how Cincinnati's web team works or how their rosters work, but at William Penn, you could type up everything. You sent your stuff to your coaches. You're like, name, position, number, weight, height, whatever. Year, major, family, all that stuff. Career highlight. I didn't know you could name yourself on there. I didn't know you could put sauce on there, but dude did. Dude did. And dude's a very saucy corner. Very saucy corner. Much like we talked about with Derek Stingley. 454 press snaps. Three more press snaps than Derek Stingley. Third most in college football. And then... One crazy thing, I saw this on Twitter from Evan McPhillips. I linked the tweet on here. Most frequently targeted DB this year. ranking One of the most frequently targeted DBs this year. Ranking 15th out of 200 and snaps per target. That's ridiculous. Dude's name saw 6'3", 200 pounds. Got the length, the size to body receivers. Has a great area of not allowing passes in. This dude's a baller. If he slips to the Jets, I'm going to be upset. I'll be very upset. Number 23, the Eagles. Now, this one, I'm assuming this is where they think the Colts will pick. So, for those of you who aren't aware of what the whole situation is in the Eagles' third first-round pick, it belongs to the Colts. There are two things that will happen for the Eagles to get this pick. And I needed to look this up because I couldn't remember what it was. If Carson Wentz plays 75% of the Colts' snaps this year, or play 70% of the Colts' snaps, and the Colts make the playoffs. And the Eagles, because of that, either one of those things, get the draft pick. And I'm assuming that Mock Draft Database thinks the Eagle, or thinks Carson Wentz will play all those games because the Eagles had the pick. I didn't make this happen. This is what they had. The Eagles picking 23rd, and the Colts not having a first-round pick. Carson Wentz is, of course, out for a little bit. Five to 12 weeks, a really random time period. So he could be ready week one, or we won't see him till midway point of the season. 
That's a very weird timetable for return, but Quentin Nelson's got the same thing. So I don't know. But Charles Cross, similarly to Zion Nelson, great athlete. Charles Cross is a very raw prospect, but is going to play a lot of passing downs because he's got Mike Leach as his head coach. Mike Leach, for those unaware, is one of the most pass-happy coaches in all of college football. At Washington State, Texas Tech, and now at Mississippi State, you're going to get a lot of passes at Mississippi State. You're going to get a lot of reps pass blocking at Mississippi State. At Mississippi State, which is kind of funny, Andre Dillard is the tag, one of the tackles for the Eagles now, also came from Mike Leach, also was considered the best pass blocker in this draft, but Charles Cross is not that now, but he could be in the future. Cross has played 574 pass blocking snaps in his first year starting. 574. Now, he did allow 44 pressures, which like, oh, you don't, that's a lot of pressures, okay? But if you look at the number of snaps he faced versus the number of pressures he had, that's not a terrible percentage, but you don't want to allow 44 pressures because that's a lot. Compared to Zion Nelson, who allowed 12 last year, that's a little bit different. The number of pressures is fine when you compare it to the snap count, but if you compare it to the pressures to the other players in this draft class, like Nelson, just the one we talked about last with 12, and you had 44, that's not ideal. But he's got the upside. He's got a lot of potential. He could really fluctuate anywhere in this draft. I'm going off. I'm banking on the potential here. That's all I'm banking on. He might not even be a first-round draft pick, but he could also be a top-10 draft pick. Like, that's the ceiling we've got on this guy. I assume when he, well, he gets more playing time, he will be on there. So, yeah. This would be the same thing. Again, like we talked about earlier with Hutchinson. The Eagles looking at a position that's getting older. This case, it's Lane Johnson. And going, well, we can draft a young guy. And Charles Cross is extremely raw. And have him learn from Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson's turning 33... I believe, 33 or 34, this got before the draft starts. I can't remember exactly when it does. But Lane Johnson will be the guy making way. They got Andre Dillard there, who has been mixed bag, really, since coming to Philadelphia. But that'd be very beneficial for Charles Cross. The Eagles have done this a lot. We gave the examples earlier. They're not going to break that trend now, right? I mean, even with the corner thing, you could even argue Darius Slay's that other guy. But I think they're more likely to keep Darius Slay because of how good he is. He's not extremely old. Graham's 34. Lane Johnson will be 33 or 34. They're going to have to start thinking about replacing them. Hutchinson, Cross, two very nice guys to replace them. Great athletes. Very athletic. I mean, obviously. Cross a little bit more raw. And he'll need that year to learn under Lane Johnson and refine himself under Lane Johnson. 24, the Titans taking Jalen Weidermeyer, the tight end from Texas A&M. Yet another A&M Aggie that we were talking about. Weidermeyer is the most complete tight end in this draft. I've seen a lot of Jaleel Jaleel Billingsley from Alabama. Great receiver. A little bit smaller. He's got like, Weidermeyer's got like 20 pounds on him. Weidermeyer is 6'5", 255 pounds, and just bullies people. Wherever he plays, whether it's out wide or on the line of scrimmage, he just bullies people, which is just a trend of the Tennessee Titans. You got A.J. Brown. You just brought in Julio Jones. You got Derrick Henry. You just beat the crap out of people. They don't lose a lot of one-on-one matchups, and that's the same thing Jalen Weidermeyer does. This would give him another threat in the red zone, 
that I would be shocked if the Titans don't lead the league in red zone scoring this year. I will be absolutely shocked. You got two extremely physical wide receivers in Derrick Henry. We don't even need to mention him. And then you had Weidermeyer. You lost Jonu Smith, big loss. The rest of your tight ends on the roster are not, you know, insane in yards. Anthony Frisker is leading the team in yards. Career yards, he has 816 career yards. I would be pretty shocked if the Titans didn't look at a tight end in this next year's draft. Good to go defense. Defense stinks. Has for a while. Maybe they look at that. Got Caleb Farley in this draft. Hopefully he stays healthy enough for him to get some good playing time with them. But... Yeah, got to go with someone like this. This would be a very scary offense. It's already a pretty scary offense with Julio Jones and A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry with a weirdly good Ryan Tannehill. And then now you add Jalen Weidermeyer. That's a very fun offense right there, and I hate the Titans. Number 25, the Cleveland Browns, Jordan Davis. This is what we were talking about. Probably the strongest, biggest dude, one, the strongest defensive lineman in this draft. I talked about George Kalerftis. It's Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis is a man mountain. If you want to talk about run defense, look towards Jordan Davis. This dude eats rushes for lunch. He's six foot six, three hundred forty pounds. Now he's not the most insane pass rusher. He's freaking massive, but for how big he is, he moves very well. And for what he lacks in really getting after the quarterback, he makes up for for getting blockers which allows holes to open up for other people on the defensive line and linebackers and stuff like that. That's what he does. Georgia was the best team against the run last year, and this dude was a big reason why. The Browns just got rid of Sheldon Richardson for cap reasons. They do have Andrew Billings on their roster, who, even Browns fans, though he's looked really good in, in the training camp and all that, apparently, they don't view him as a long-time starter. Unless he, like, balls out this year, but even if he does, I mean, why not draft a guy like this? you got a very complete roster, and you're weirdly going to actually compete for a Super Bowl. I'm not saying you'll win it or even make the game, but you're going to be one of those teams that's in the conversation of it, which is weird. A few years ago, you went 0-16. The year before that, you went 1-15. Good Lord, how how weird is this? you got a very complete team. You address some of the bigger needs on defense, getting Greg Newsome and getting JOK, Jeremiah Wilson-Cormoa. you got John Johnson this free agency period. Grant Delpit will be back. Gary E.D. Williams will be back and healthy. Denzel Ward, one of the more underrated, not one of the, the most underrated corner in the NFL will be back. Miles Garrett's back. Like, you've got defense. Adding a guy like Jordan Davis would be very big for the Browns, literally and figuratively. Dude's a massive dude. 26, the Dolphins. I flipped around back and forth in this a lot. I did go with Brees Hall from Iowa State, going to the Miami Dolphins at 26. And why I flipped around on this? Because if you just look stats... There's really no competition between Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller, the other running back that you're seeing mostly in the first round of the draft. The issue is it doesn't come to specific rushing numbers because, like, yards, touchdowns, all that. Brees Hall has more. And it's not even saying Isaiah Spiller is, like, this amazing, amazing pass catcher. He's not. But neither is Brees Hall, like we've talked about earlier. The thing that hurts Brees Hall, and it's a weird thing to hurt him, carries. And we've used the example of Jonathan Taylor before. And this time I brought back receipts of Jonathan Taylor's rushing numbers and him getting drafted to the second round. Back-to-back 2,000-yard seasons. In two straight seasons, combined, Taylor racked up 627 attempts. 320 
and then 307 attempts in two seasons at Wisconsin. Brees Hall rushed for 279. He had 279 attempts. That is a lot. That was almost 100 more than Isaiah Spiller last year. And then with Isaiah Spiller, you're expecting his rushing numbers to go up because of the fact they'd have a younger quarterback in there. But that is a shit ton of carries. 279. For not a very full college football season, he led the nation in rushing, rushing attempts and yards. Which is not, which is impressive. I'm not trying to discredit that at all. But the two running backs that got taken over Jonathan Taylor, Clyder Jolaire, who got drafted 32nd by the Chiefs, and DeAndre Swift, who got drafted 35. Combined in three years between those two, three, Clyder Jolaire had 370 carries in three years, and DeAndre Swift had 440 in three years. Jonathan Taylor had 320 in one year. He had 50 less carries than Clyder Jolaire in one season than he had in three years at LSU. That's why he got drafted in the second round. And the also the fact comes in that he's not insane in the passing game, which is the same thing as Brees Hall. I'm not saying this as like Brees Hall sucks and all this. I literally had him going to the Dolphins. I'm just saying if there's a thing that makes Brees Hall follow the first round, it'll be those two things. The amount of carries he gets and the lack of him getting used in the passing game. Regardless if you want to hear that or not, that is what will hurt him if he does not go in the first round. You look at Najee Harris. Alabama, he was going to fall into a similar fate, but they started using him in the passing game. That had a lot to do with Jalen Wall getting hurt, but his work as a pass catcher made him a lock in the first round and a lock for the Steelers. Travis Etienne, already a great receiver. Every single year at Clemson, he got better as a receiver, and now they're literally saying he's going to be used as a wide receiver in the Jaguars, which I can understand completely because Dew can do that. The best receiver in this draft class is Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams got a fumbling issue, though. So that might keep him out. He's only had one year of production. If Kyron Williams balls out this year for Notre Dame, I would not be shocked if he's the number one running back taken. Because he's the most versatile running back out of the top three guys. Hall, Spiller, Williams. He's the most versatile. But Brees Hall, what he lacks in... I shouldn't say lacks. It's, I'm not saying he can't catch the ball. He doesn't. They don't use him in the passing game. Regardless if you're going to look at it, he doesn't catch it or he can't. They just don't use him. That's the fact of the matter here. And Brees Hall has great vision. He doesn't go down easily. He's a big dude. Like, Brees Hall has a lot of positives. It's just sad the two things that will cause him to slip out of the first round are two (laughs) massive issues for scouts. I'm not saying they're massive issues. Donovan Taylor is the best out of those three running backs, but it is an issue nonetheless. Brees Hall getting a shit ton of carries like that. Jonathan Taylor had a shit ton of carries, and look, it got him drafted in the third round, second round, third running back taken. I think he's happy with the location he's at. I think he's fine running behind the Indianapolis Colts offensive line. I think he's perfectly fine with that. Would you rather be DeAndre Swift in Detroit? Would you rather be that, drafted second overall? No, you wouldn't want that. But that's what's going to happen if he doesn't get drafted. That's a big if, if. He doesn't get drafted. And you can flip a coin on that. On who gets drafted in the first round between Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller. It's not a lock for either one of them getting drafted in the first round. No matter how many yards Brees Hall gets this year, it's not a lock for him in the first round. Because that's the way teams look at running backs now. Running backs have been somewhat viewed as expendable in the NFL. As like you look at some of the other the big running backs that got paid. 
Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, who wanted to get paid, locked out, or sat out, and then now he's on the Broncos, screwed himself in Los Angeles. Le'Veon Bell, Zeke, David Johnson. Like, all of these guys got massive contracts. What are they all doing now? Todd Gurley's not, is he on a team? I feel like he just signed with somebody, but I don't remember who it was. Melvin Gordon is not anywhere close to where he used to be. Zeke has declined every single year he's been in the NFL. Le'Veon Bell is not on a team. He was the backup running back on the Kansas City Chiefs. And then David Johnson is what? Is he the only starter? I don't even, is he the best out of those guys? He just can't stay healthy. Melvin Gordon can stay healthy, but he's just regressed a ton. Zeke's just regressed a ton. Gurley can't stay healthy. Bell has regressed, and he's got a weird attitude problem. I, it's, I don't know. That thing's weird, but they're looking expendable. If you have a lot of tre- don't have a lot of tread in your tires, teams won't draft you. That's just the fact of the matter. You can get offended by that all you want. That's the fact of it. For someone that's followed the draft extensively, those are things that will hurt Brees Hall. That's not taking away how good of a player he is because he's a great player. 27, Tyler Linderbaum to the Baltimore Ravens. They have a very weird offensive line. You've got two players that are going to be locked in. Ronnie Stanley's one of the best left tackles in the game. And then Kevin Zeitler. They just got him from the New York Giants. The rest of their old line is weird. Bradley Bozeman has been an average to below average guard in the NFL, but now he's moving to center. He played center in Alabama, so they're expecting him to go back to those Alabama days. And then Alejandro Villanueva's in to play right tackle. They just traded Orlando Brown to Kansas City because he wanted to play left tackle, and rightfully so. You can make a lot more money playing left tackle, and he's a natural left tackle, so it makes sense. And then the other guy, Ben Powers, starting at left guard. This is the depth chart according to ESPN, so it could be wrong. It's not official from the Ravens website or anything. For a team that runs the ball as much as the Baltimore Ravens do, why would you not go after the best run blocker in the draft? And there is a real chance Tyler Lindebaum is nowhere close to this pick. There is a really strong chance he is not close to this at all. There is a strong chance he's drafted 15th. I'm not saying a specific team. The 15th team here is the Vikings. I mean, hey, that's a possibility. Garrett Bradbury stinks, so that's a possibility that he could draft at 15th. I didn't do it. I did I did run across my head. But he's a center. So that is weird in regards to draft position for centers. But the Ravens could use him. Ravens had a really nice history with a former Iowa off the lineman and Marshall Yonda. Bring another Iowa in. Clear up more running lanes with a quarterback like Lamar Jackson and running back like J.K. Dobbins who expected to go off this year. Why not get a guy like Tyler Lindebaum if he's available? Now, that's a giant if. If he's available. If he's not, don't even think about it. But if he's there, you got to take him. Got to take him. 28, the Green Bay Packers take in Kobe Dean, linebacker from Georgia. I think it's funny. I would. I would. I think it's really funny, actually, that... This is Aaron Rodgers last year. I think everybody can... I think we've all pretty much expected this to be Aaron Rodgers last year in Green Bay. At least that's what it sounds like. Could be completely wrong, but that's what it looks like. If they drafted a wide receiver (laughs) the year after he leaves, or the same offseason he leaves, the same offseason he leaves to draft a wide receiver, the first wide receiver they take in the first round since 2002, welcoming in the Jordan Love era and giving one final giant middle finger to Aaron Rodgers. That would be hysterical 
Sadly, I don't think they'll do that because they still have some needs on the defensive side of the ball. They got Eric Stokes from Georgia, very fast corner. Like him a lot. Like Eric Stokes a lot. Disappointed people because they didn't draft a wide receiver. But it's it was a team need. Dude's a good player. Now, you lost Blake Martinez two seasons ago. Two offseasons ago. Now you lost Christian Kirksey to the Texans. And you haven't done really anything to replace either one of the guys. You need to get a middle linebacker in some capacity. N'Kobe Dean is an athletic beast at linebacker. He's a little smaller. Six foot, 225 pounds. But he's a Georgia linebacker. You love Roquan Smith's the latest example of a great Georgia linebacker. That dude's a freaking baller. Underappreciated Roquan Smith is. Plays in a 3-4 defense, or like in a weird 3-3-5 defense, if I remember correctly. Due to fit right in to this defensive scheme. They've struggled against the run for a while now. Mike Pettin's not there anymore. Mike Pettin's staple as a defensive coordinator is sucking against the run. This dude was a like we talked about Jordan Davis was a part of a defense that was the best rush defense in the, NFL, in the college football last year. This dude was a big reason why. Georgia gave up 72.3 yards per game last year. This dude was big. For his lack of size, perceived lack of size, was seeming kind of to get out of the window now with undersized players. It's basically if you can play, you can play. That's basically what it is now. Lack of size, he makes up for an insane athleticism. He's great against the run. Great against the pass. Like, this dude would be perfect in Green Bay. Number 29, the Buffalo Bills on Andrew Booth, the cornerback from Clemson. Now, I said this when I was doing the positional rankings. You could flip a coin, and I'd be perfectly fine with ranking Andre Booth, number three, or Andrew Booth, number three, Ahmad Gardner, four, and Ahmad Gardner, three, Andrew Booth, four. I basically just changed it to three A and three B. The thing is... They are completely different ends of the spectrum right now. Andrew Booth, let's just, uh, no, let's talk about, okay, we talked about Gardner. Played, what, 554, 454 press coverage snaps last year, third most in college football. Andrew Booth, on the other hand, there were 189 corners who played more snaps than Booth in 2020. 189 that played more snaps than Booth. The thing that Booth has is the fact that he was the number two corner coming in at a high school. First corner was Derek Stingley. He's at Clemson, so you know he can play. He wouldn't be at Clemson if you couldn't play. But this dude, he's a baller. And I'm expecting big things from him. Clemson's got a lot of players that are expected big things from this year. DJ Uagalele is the main one because he's the quarterback. But Boo's got a very high ceiling. He might not even come out of this draft. Who knows? But if he does... He's got the potential to be a very, 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 very good corner. And the Bills need to get a cornerback partner for Tredavious White. That's one of the things they need to do. It's either get a big guy in the middle of the defense, clog up running lanes, or get a corner to partner Trey White. That's Those are the two big issues for the Buffalo Bills going forward. Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson are competing for that starting spot. I don't know who's winning it right now. I would still think it's Levi Wallace's job to lose. He's been starting there for the last two years. But you can upgrade on that. I think. Andrew Booth could could be that. Now, if you wanted to put Andrew Booth at the Jets and Gardner at the Bills, I'd be fine with that as well. It's just either way. I don't care. You can have them wherever you want. Works perfectly fine with me. 30, the Lions are up again. Traylon Burks. This dude feels like a Dan Campbell player. You get your quarterback. Now you get your wide receiver. 
This dude, I saw this on Twitter this morning or Instagram. I can't remember exactly where I saw it. Benches 380, squats 500, cleans 320. This dude's just a freaking beast. He's 6'3", 332, 332, 232. He just bodies defenders. He's too freaking big. You had a monster defender in Calvin Johnson. Just got inducted in the Hall of Fame. Great Hall of Fame speech. Great wide receiver. Terrible cleats, I will say that. But that's beside the point. Traylon Burks is a freaking animal. And he could definitely go higher than 30. But this is a situation, again, like we talked about earlier. I don't really see a scenario where these receivers get drafted in the top 10. And we have three in the top 10 like this past year. But they're still good wide receivers, okay? Still some good wide receivers. And Burks is a freaking beast. And if the Lions are there, if he's there and the Lions are taking... Okay, if he's available and the Lions are there, take him. He just looks and feels like a Dan Campbell player. That's If Dan Campbell was a wide receiver, that's what he was. I know he played tight end, so similar, but not not as similar player than him. But just big dude, benches a lot, beats up defenders. Dan Campbell reincarnated as a wide receiver. Next one, Kingsley I saw the pronunciation of his name. South Carolina DN. Kingsley Egger. Enagbear. Enagbear. I'm sorry. I needed to practice his name a little bit. You'll see it on here. Enagbear. I saw the pronunciation of his name. It was all spelled out, like, phonetically and all that. I don't remember what it is, though. Either way, athletic. Athletic. Athletic DN. Very athletic. He's one of those players that's also coming in the mold of Great production one year, not so the next year, but it's flipped. He had really nice production last year, freshman year, not insane production, but you could tell someone was there. Plays in South Carolina, six foot four, two hundred seventy pounds, or around that freaking unit. That's pretty much what he is. Just an athletic freak. He could definitely go a lot higher than this. Definitely go a lot higher than this. I feel like I've said that a few times on here, but it's true. There's a lot of players that are getting drafted in this lower than what they probably will because they're freaking ballers. These guys are beasts, and Kingsley is one of those guys. You've got Jason Pierre-Paul there, who's getting older. He's going to be 33 on January 1st. The draft's on April 28th. Got Joe Tryon there. Get another edge rusher in there. Be awesome. The Bucks are in that weird spot where they just won the Super Bowl, re-signed everybody, so... In a, in a scenario where we don't know anything about the upcoming season, makes it pretty damn hard to try and predict what they're going to draft. So might as well just do the same thing as last year. <laughs> but no, Kingsley is a beast. Would make a lot of sense for the Bucks. And then finally, the Chiefs at 32, John Mechie from Alabama. This dude just looks like an Alabama, like a Kansas well, obviously. He looks like a Kansas City Chiefs receiver. If you look at the roster, like if you hyperanalyze the Chiefs roster, outside of like Kelsey and Hill, obviously, they're not really insane wide receivers on the roster. I really like McCole Hardman, but other than Hardman, there's not really any other wide receiver teams would really fear. Mechie is an extremely hard-working dude that just does not back down for anybody. Just watch Mac Jones threw an interception against Florida in the SEC Championship game. Watch Mechie run back and absolutely destroy the defender who fumbled the ball and Devontae Smith recovers it. That's what you want in a player. And a wide receiver that just doesn't give up for a little smaller guy. He's about six foot tall, 194. Speed for days, but dude will block. Dude will do all the dirty work for you. That's what you want. That is just a Chiefs guy. He's just a really fast wide receiver, but will do everything else asked of him. 
And that's exactly what you want. So that is the first mock draft preseason 2022 NFL mock draft. Recapping that, number one, Spencer Rattler going to the Houston Texans. Sam Howell going two to the Lions at, well, to the Lions at number two. Evan Neal going to the Bengals at three. You got Kayvon Thibodeau to the Jets at number four. Kyle Hamilton rounding out the top five going to the Jacksonville. But again, if they trade CJ Henderson, that is subject to change. Derek Stanley will be that guy who's subject to change. Going to the Eagles at 6. Malik Willis going to the Falcons at 7. DeMarvin Leal, a non-reach pick for the Raiders at number 8. Drake Jackson, the Giants at number 9. Christian Harris, the Panthers at 10. Kenyon Green, the interior lineman slash tackle from Texas A&M, going to the Giants at 11. If not, if they don't like Daniel Jones, Keaton Slovis looks to be the most obvious choice there. Kyer Elam going to the Cardinals at 12. Desmond Ritter to the, for- the Washington football team. At 13, or they'll have a new name, I think, by that time. So, subject to change, Washington football team. Carson Strong to their Steelers at 14. George Kalarftis to the Vikings at 15. Jackson Kirkland, the tackle from Washington, to the Broncos at 16. Zach Harrison to the LA Chargers at 17. Chris Olave going 18 to the Patriots. Garrett Wilson, the other Ohio State guy, going to New Orleans Saints at 19. Aiden Hutchinson going to the Eagles at 20. Zion Nelson, the athletic tackle from Miami, going to the Cowboys at 21. Ahmad Gardner going to the Jets at 22. Charles Cross, depending on if Carson Wentz plays the number of snaps required and they make the playoffs, goes to the Eagles at 23. Jalen Weidermeyer goes to the Titans at number 24. Jordan Davis to the Browns at 25. Brees Hall goes to the Dolphins at 26. Tyler Linderbaum goes to the Ravens at 27. Nicobe Dean goes to the Packers at 28. Andrew Booth. To the Bills at 29, Traylon Burks, Traylon Burks going to the Lions at 30, Kingsley, Enag Bear, Enag, I need to practice that, I apologize for this a lot, Ed Rusher from South Carolina going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and John Mechie, the wide receiver from Bama, going to the Chiefs at 32. I'd like to state again, this is not my draft order, this is a draft order that's already filled out by an NFL mock draft database, again, if you want to go use their website, either search in the search bar, but I've got it linked as well in the article if you want to go look at that yourself and just click in the article. It also helped because you're getting clicks on the article. So here are some players that just missed out in, in the order of position. It's not in the order that they missed out on. It's just order of position. Keaton Slovis, the quarterback from USC. Isaiah Spiller at Texas A&M, the running back. Kieran Williams could, Kyron Williams could also be mentioned there, but he's not on the list. Drake London from USC, Romeo Dubes from Nevada, Justin Ross from Clemson, George Pickens from Georgia are the wide receivers they just missed out. Thayer Munford and Rashid Walker from Ohio State and Penn State are tackles they just missed out. Ekem Ekwanwu from NC State, the interior off to lineman, absolute mauler, can also play tackle as well, missed out. Perion Winfrey from Oklahoma, the D tackle missed out. Nick Benito, Myjay Sanders, and Adam Anderson from Georgia missed out as the edge rushers. Seven Banks, Josh Job, and Trent McDuffie missed out from the cornerback spot. And then Jordan Battle and Brandon Joseph from Northwestern missed out from the safety spot. So that is it. That is the preseason 2022 NFL mock draft. This has been an almost two-hour show. Good freaking lord. I told you at the beginning this was going to be a long show. I promised you it was going to be a long I don't know if I promised you, but I told you it was going to be a long show. Good lord. Thank you, Messi. For making the show go longer than what it was. I was upstairs getting a drink of water before the show started and told myself, let's go, we're just gonna do the draft. I'm tired, my hands hurt. And then I got downstairs, sat down, I was like, what? I haven't talked about I mean, you gotta talk about Messi. What? 
He just joined PSG today. We got to talk about it. So we did, and it went longer, but we're, we did two-hour shows in the past, so we're used to this. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you made it to this point. If you did, go and make sure you follow me on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, and go like the Facebook page. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Go follow me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I hope you enjoyed the show. Go and check out the blog post for yourself. I would greatly appreciate it on the LoganBlackmanShow.com. I've linked it on all forms of social media, so you can go and follow me and also click on it at the same time. Would greatly appreciate it. And yeah, that's all I've got for you today. Again, hope you enjoyed the show. Sorry if you didn't. Don't know what to tell you. Can't help you. So I'll see you guys later. We'll be back on Friday, hopefully. I mean, I shouldn't promise we'll be back on Friday, but we'll be back Friday with Premier League predictions. And hopefully, I'm not going to promise this whatsoever, a top 50 players list for the upcoming draft and the upcoming college football season. That's what's planned. Premier League predictions will happen. The top 50 players list is a 50-50 shot of happening, okay? So that's all I've got. I'll see you later. Peace.